back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. Let us help you escape your mind. Welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. We have episode number 134 today, uh, Secrets of the Norse, with our guest Arthur Kopmans. And uh, we're glad to have Arthur on. Uh, he runs a, a really um, a very interesting page. So you should definitely check out his website. Uh, I'll add his links down below the video. And uh, he's also active on Twitter. But uh, welcome to the show, Arthur. Oh, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, so we're gonna. This is gonna be a two-parter, I think, or you know, we'll see how it goes. But most likely a two-parter. And the first part, we're gonna be talking about um, Norse and Viking mythology, and just going through mm -hmm. some of the correlations you've made with the constellations and and all that. So, uh, but let's start off with a little bit of your background. How did you um, get into this, and what interested you in the topic? Okay, so before I uh, I dived into uh, Norse mythology, I started out as a game artist, and I took uh, a lot of inspiration uh, for my uh, uh, game arts uh, from uh, mythology. And at one time, I was starting uh, get it interested in Norse mythology in particular. And at the same time, I was uh, researching Norse mythology. I was also becoming aware. Uh, of how the myths can be linked to the stars and constellations. So I started uh, making all these discoveries between uh, Norse mythology and how this uh, can be seen in the stars. And I wrote down all these ideas uh, in notebooks. And then uh, I decided to start a blog called Secrets of the Norse uh, to share all this information. Nice. Yeah, I stumbled upon your page. I mean, I was actually cleaning house on my uh, uh, my my follower thing on uh, Twitter, and I saw I came across your page, and um, I went through your website. I'm like, this is awesome. We got to get this guy on the show. So, um, but yeah, I think you make some uh, some good points on some of your stuff. So, it, it, do you when you post these things? Are you doing? Are you just constantly just doing research, or is it something that you wait till something comes to you, or how does that work? Um, well, I'm pretty much uh, doing this research uh, every day. Okay. So, um, uh, well, I need a little break sometimes, but um, <laughs> I, I, t I, uh, it, I, yeah, every day I, uh, I just uh, pick up. Uh, my book of myths and uh, well, it doesn't take long for me to f find a, a new subject uh, to write about. I also have all these these notebooks uh, full with ideas. So there's a whole list of things that I'm still uh, waiting to write about. So there's, uh, I think I've got enough for uh, for several years content. Uh, so beautiful. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's jump in now. All right. right. <clears throat> okay, well, so uh, here you can see uh, the homepage of my blog, Secrets of the Norse. And uh, this is uh, where I uh, put all my research of 
the North Star myth. And the first myth that I uh, really started uh, researching in depth is uh, the myth in which the Norse god Odin uh, hung himself from uh, the world tree uh, to discover the runes. Hmm. So the runes are basically uh, the this uh, sacred alphabet of the people of Northern Europe. So this myth, when I uh, read it, it was uh, a riddle to me. I thought, uh, why did Odin have to hang himself from a tree in order to discover these runes? Uh, I, I wondered what uh, was the logic behind that. So I, I wanted to know what are these myths? these myths all about uh, where are the gods uh, coming from um, mm -hmm. what's uh, the idea behind uh, these stories so did you have you always had kind of a affinity for like the Norse culture or are you are you um, Scandinavian yourself or do you have um, some sort of connection to it well, uh, I'm not Scandinavian myself, so I do feel like a bit of an outsider when researching the Norse myths. Um, but uh, the, the myths from Scandinavia, they, they are what's coming closest to whatever mythology uh, would have been here in the country that I live. Mm. Uh, so I live in the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. and Pretty much uh, all of the, the old stories uh, have been lost to us because of uh, Christianity. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's uh, it was it's because of what we know of Norse myths uh, that uh, that we know uh, uh, this wider uh, North European uh, culture of which the Netherlands is a part. Right. Yeah. I, um, I know a little bit, but a lot of what I know is either from school or just by yeah. passing. Or mm -hmm. actually, that show um, the Vikings on History Channel. I don't know if you've seen mm -hmm. it. Um, so, some of it's obviously fiction, but they add in like some historical people and historical timelines into the mix. So it's a little bit of fiction, a little bit of fact kind of a thing. Um, and yeah, they, they, the Vikings were definitely the, the Christian crusades, you know, tried to convert them all into, uh, from pagan to, um, uh, more of a one God belief system. So, or monotheism. Um, yeah, that's right. So with the Odin thing, so Odin is like the Thor, right? He's like the Thor or the Zeus type character within Norse mythology. Um, well, uh, Odin uh, is uh, it's, it's a distinct uh, god from Thor. Um, uh, so we see, go to the next slide perhaps, and okay. Um, okay. then I'll introduce uh, Norse mythology, and then we can uh, look at who Odin is. Okay. Okay. Um, so the Norse myths and their gods, so you mentioned uh, uh, Odin and also Thor and also Loki. Uh, they all come from the region of Scandinavia in Northern Europe. And that's of course also where the Vikings come from. And the Norse myths, uh, they were written down in Iceland uh, somewhere around uh, the year 1200 AD uh, by the, the Icelandic writer Snorri Sturluson. Mm. Uh, so it's... Uh, he was a Christian writer, but uh, he had a lot of love for the old uh, hidden mythology. So uh, we can thank him for uh, much of what we know about uh, the Norse myths. Okay. But um, I think the, uh, the Norse myths go back uh, to an ancient oral tradition, uh, a time well before the Vikings. And 
correct me if I'm mistaken, but isn't Loki kind of like, because I always try and find like correlations between different cultures and ancient civilizations mm-hmm. and stuff. Loki's kind of like the trickster, right? He's like the, yes. the Thoth or the, uh, you know, one of these trickster type archetypes. That's, uh, that's exactly right. Yeah. He is the mischievous uh, one. He always gets the gods into trouble and then he has to find solutions to, uh, to make things right again. And, uh, most of the times, uh, that brings a lot of benefits to the gods. Mm. So, um, mm. yeah. Shall we uh, see how the Norse myths uh, can be linked to the stars? Yes. So, okay. Okay, so um, the Norse myths, uh, like any myth, uh, I think they lend themselves to uh, multiple different interpretations. Um, but uh, when I started seeing uh, the myths as star myths, uh, they started making uh, a lot of sense to me. It, it opened many doors. Mm. So um, in the myths, you have all these gods, you have these weird monsters and magical items. And when you link those to the stars, uh, you start uh, seeing uh, why they, uh, people chose these symbols. It starts making more sense. So here you can see uh, this slide, a little preview uh, of how the Norse uh, myths can be linked to the stars. So you see here uh, the god Thor. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this painting on the left, he is the, the champion of the gods. He, uh, he is slaying the giants uh, to keep Asgard safe, uh, the home of the gods. And he's also the, the thunder gods. And you see him in this characteristic action pose. So he's got his hammer raised up uh, above his head, ready to smash some giants. And on the right, you can see the constellation Hercules. And this has this exact same pose. And you can also envision his hammer uh, raised above his head, uh, ready uh, to to attack uh, some giants. And this uh, pose, which you see in this constellation, is actually something that is found in ancient artwork uh, all over the globe. Mm. Now, in Hercules, is some, is, are these a completely different set of constellations? Because I'm sure people will be listening. We've talked about like Orion's, you know, Orion mm-hmm. and, and all the different cultures and stuff like that. Is, are these completely separate than those constellations or do these fit in separately with those? Um, I mean, uh, so like... You know, or- yeah. Yeah. Well. So, like Orion's belt, you know, like the stars within mm-hmm. Orion's belt. Does yes, that cor- yes. does that correlate into North Missile? Because the Hercules, it does look similar to Orion in in, in a way. Uh, yes, Orion is one of the many constellations that were recognized by ancient peoples and also uh, features in several uh, myths. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, they they. Uh, pretty much knew all these uh, constellations that we now have, but they they saw them in uh, a slightly different way. That's what I'm asking. If if the North uh, or the North's uh, mythology connections to the stars are completely different than some of the because al- some of the other cultures, like different cultures, will recognize mm-hmm. the same constellations. So are, these are just a whole different set of combinations. Well, uh, the, no? the, uh, the Norse uh, uh, the Norse myths. Um, they uh, are based pretty much on the same constellations as those of other ancient myths. Okay. Um, but uh, those are a bit different from uh, the modern version of the constellation that we know today. Right. 
Um, so if you go to the next slide, then you can see this uh, difference. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so you see here on the left uh, two versions of the constellation Leo. Hmm. And in the bottom, uh, you can see the modern version. So it doesn't look much like a lion, doesn't it? Right. Oh. To, to me, it looks more like a clothhanger or something. Yeah, actually, the, even so. the, the, the top one even looks more, um, more lion. More lionish. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it has this. Uh, it's a proper head. It has a tail. It's walking on four legs. Um, so H. Uh, a. Ray. He had a problem with the modern uh, version of the constellations that uh, we have today. And what he did is he took the same stars and he redrew the lines in a way uh, that the constellation actually depicts uh, what it's supposed to represent. And what we also find now is that um, the HRA version of the constellation uh, matches very well uh, with depictions all over in ancient artwork across the globe. Mm. And it matches also uh, the myths that we find, uh, the symbols that we find in the myths. Gotcha. So, yeah. So I think uh, because we have today uh, the modern version of the constellations, um, that the role of astronomy in myth uh, is uh, underestimated. Mm. So to me, the HRA version uh, really is the, the key to the myths. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, that. I got to look more into uh, his stuff. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so... Uh, this is, uh, can you go uh, one back? No problem. Okay, uh, just checking. Uh, so uh, that, that was the right slide. Okay. okay. Oh, yeah, so okay. just yeah. let me point out, if you're listening on Apple, Spotify, Podcast Addict, whatever you're listening on, uh, this is accompanied by a slideshow. Um, obviously you can go to our YouTube channel and check out the slideshow and for more information, you can go to, um, Arthur's website, secrets of the North and check out, you know, his work with it as well and his blog. So, uh, but yeah, I just wanted to point that out cause I'm sure some people will listen to this and be like, what, what, what are they talking about? So. <laughs> you yeah, gotta use I, your yeah, imagination, exactly. Michael. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a pretty official thing, the uh, constellation. So, uh, it, uh, on the slideshow, of course, you can see the images, but I'll try to uh, describe uh, what they look like and what role they played in myths. Sure. Um, so um, here on the, the left, we see four different examples uh, of what Richard Cassaro would call uh, the God Self icon. Mm -hmm. So um, are you familiar with uh, Richard Cassaro, perhaps? Uh, no, but I'm familiar with all of those gods on the left. Yes. So uh, this uh, so-called God self icon, uh, it's basically a depiction of a deity holding two symmetrical objects on either side of its body. So on the top right, you see a Minoan snake goddess holding uh, these two snakes. And mm -hmm. uh, now when we go to the right, you see the constellation Ophiuchus. And Ophiuchus is called the snake holder. Mm. And you can see Ophiuchus is a human figure holding a snake on either side of his body. And so um, all these uh, God self icons uh, that you see can be linked uh, to this constellation of Eucus. So uh, what I believe this shows is that uh, ancient cultures worldwide recognize this exact same uh, constellation. Right. Yeah, there's, um, there's some interesting ones. And 
especially the Vera Coach, uh, uh, some of the mythology that even pre-Columbian. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That looks very similar. I mean, I, I've got to admit to anybody listening, you should definitely check this out because, I mean, I could definitely see in all those examples. Is there even more examples than that, or are those the only four that you Oh, there were, there were way more examples. Yeah. He, uh, he showed uh, like 12 or 24 of them in uh, in one picture. So uh, okay. I took a few examples from them. Sure. So, uh, but these same symbols, they can also be found in uh, the world's ancient myths. So uh, on the next slide, I'll show you an example. Okie dokie. Here we go. Okay, so uh, Star Myth researcher David Madison, uh, who wrote uh, Star Myths of the World series, Mm -hmm. uh, he took these constellations of H.A. Ray and he discovered that the world's myths uh, are based, uh, can be seen uh, as linked to the stars and constellations. So um, they are part of this ancient worldwide system. And uh, David Batterson pretty much uh, laid a new foundation for uh, astrotheology and it's what he himself calls uh, star myths. And it's also David Matheson uh, who looked at the myth of Odin's hanging. And uh, he uh, deciphered the first uh, part of that myth uh, that deals with how Odin uh, hangs from the tree. So shall we see uh, how that myth is uh, linked to the stars? Mm. Okay, so here we have uh, Odin. And Odin is a god that was already known uh, before the time of the Vikings. And I think it's kind of appropriate that we're talking about Odin here on a Wednesday. Mm -hmm. uh, because Wednesday is also called after this god, uh, Odin. Mm -hmm. so, That's um, interesting. Yeah. So, uh, Woden is basically, basically the Anglo-Saxon uh, version of uh, Odin, after which uh, the name Wednesday comes. Mm. So, Odin is, uh, you can see him as uh, the great spirit or the life force uh, that pervades everything. And he is the god of inspiration and poetry. Uh, during the Viking Age, he also developed into a, more into a god of war. Mm -hmm. And he was always on this uh, relentless quest uh, for more wisdom and knowledge because he wanted to become this all knowing, all powerful god. Mm -hmm. so, and I believe uh, Odin can be uh, linked to the stars yeah he um he has does he have a patch or one eye because that's how they depict him on uh the show vikings and he always has a raven on his shoulder that's right yes um he is also called the one-eyed god because he sacrificed his own eye uh, to gain knowledge of the unknown mm. so uh, he did pretty extreme things to uh, to gain more knowledge now do you know i mean it's hard to tell but so like mythology some people suspect is just based off of extraordinary real people maybe or like you're saying correlation to the stars um mm -hmm. while maybe they got the idea from the stars or the archetype of him is it possible that some great person named odin lived a long time ago and then his oral tradition was just passed on or is that do you not think that there's anything to that well uh it could be um, there's not really hard evidence uh, to prove uh, that there was this historical figure called Odin. Um, so I do think the myths lend themselves to different interpretations. Hmm. And we could perhaps find traces of uh, ancient history in them. And perhaps 
behind some of the gods there were uh, real people, but um, that's hard to tell. But uh, what we uh, do know from the evidence, I think, is that uh, the myths um, are based on this uh, celestial memory system uh, based on the stars. Sure. Uh, that's basically what these uh, myths were written in, uh, whatever uh, meaning they had or where they uh, originated from. Yeah, and obviously they were probably one of the better seafaring people along with maybe the Minoans and a couple others. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so they, had, they had to know the stars, right? I mean, that was the way mm-hmm. to uh, get around. Yep, yeah, and perhaps the Minoans even visited uh, Scandinavia during the Bronze Age. There's some speculation about that too. I believe it. <laughs> I believe it too. <laughs> They're okay, trying to link so... the Minoans to the, to the U.S. too or North America. Yes, yeah. yes. So. They have some similarities to the Maya culture, mm. definitely. Um, so here we see the constellation of Yucas again. Um, what David Matheson uh, showed in his research is that uh, Ophiuchus can also be linked to this god Odin. Uh, we've seen that Ophiuchus uh, is the snake holder, and he can be seen as holding two snakes on both sides of his body. But you can also envision it as one giant snake that he holds with both hands mm-hmm. and when you envision this snake as a rope instead then you can see how he was also called uh, the god of binding and releasing so he could also uh, symbolically uh, bind people's minds with fear but he could also release your boundaries uh, your bound sorry your mind from all boundaries so he's basically the god of mind escape mm. Okay, yeah. There we go, that. baby. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> to all you escapees out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like it. Right. So there is uh, more evidence that links Odin to the stars. Uh, so you already mentioned the ravens. Yep. Um, so Odin has these two ravens called Hugin and Munin, and they represent his thoughts and his memory. So what do we find here above Ophiuchus in the sky? We find two bird constellations called Aquila and Sickness, and they are the eagle and swan. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Norse myth, uh, they can represent uh, Odin's uh, two ravens. Yeah. And Sickness, I mean, that's pre- there's a lot of people trying to correlate Sickness, and I know we've had um, uh, Andrew Collins on the show before yes. who's done a lot of work with Sickness, and he, you know, there's a lot of um, ancient uh, megalithic structures that align with Cygnus and obviously other constellations. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think that that's an interesting one for sure. But I've never heard of this other one, the Aquila. 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 Okay. It's uh, Latin for eagle, yes. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, the, uh, the Cygnus mystery definitely uh, shows how one constellation alone can lead you to this enormous rabbit hole. Mm. So um, shall we uh, see how we uh, can uh, link the runes to the stars? Sure. We shall. Okay, so first let's see uh, what are the runes. So the myth says that Odin, uh, he discovered the runes and he carved the runes then for the benefit of the gods. So uh, you can see the runic signs here on the left. These Mm -hmm. are from the Elder Fufark alphabet. And uh, to the Vikings, they were uh, letters of an alphabet, uh, but they also represented magical signs. So uh, the rune Urus, uh, for example, the second uh, in the top, uh, represents strength. So if you needed uh, strength in your life, you could call upon the Urus rune, for example. Mm. 
Yeah, so, some interesting, uh, uh, some interesting names there. And actually, mm-hmm. um, I know they're always trying to look for ruins all over the world too. I know that there's people that uh, claim to have found ruins, ancient ruins, in parts of the East Coast of the United States. Um, yes, and uh, Kensington Roomstone. Yeah. Well, who was the first person to land uh, in like Newfoundland? Wasn't it late? Was it Leif Erikson or? Um, Yes, I believe it was uh, Leif Erikson, uh, who landed on the uh, east coast of America. Yeah. So uh, they definitely were one of the first to, uh, the first Europeans to uh, to land on that continent. But who knows who went before them, uh, even. And what was the, he was looking for, what's that, like Vindaland or Vinland or something like that? Like... Yeah, he landed there and he, he found these sort of uh, grape-like berries. Uh, so uh, from that comes the name uh, Vinland, uh, which means something like uh, wine. Uh, country okay but uh they were they were not exactly wine grapes i believe gotcha all right so uh shall we look at uh, the poem and uh yes try to uh, see how this is uh, linked to the stars okay so i'll read a few lines of the poem for you the poem says i know that i hung on that windy tree nine whole days and nights stabbed with a spear Offered to Odin, myself to myself given. So this was a fragment from Odin's rune song. And when I first read this, this was a complete mystery to me. So why uh, is he hanging from this tree to find these runes? Uh, Why is he stabbed with a spear? Um, And then when I started uh, seeing a connection with the stars, uh, things started making sense. So in the myth, um, does he do it to himself or does somebody do that to him? Uh, it's not explicitly uh, mentioned, but uh, I think uh, he did it to himself. He, the poem says uh, myself to myself given. So he's mm. basically offering himself as a sacrifice to himself. To, There's actually uh, I see some correlations to like Christ or like Jesus mm-hmm. um, in certain yes. ways. Um, and there, there's definitely some overlapping themes there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Odin's hanging from the tree has often been uh, compared with uh, Christ hanging from the cross. Right. And we will see some more examples of uh, of that, of how that is uh, linked with uh, with the Bible and all that. Okay. Um, okay. So. Okay. So first, let's see uh, where we can find this tree from which he hangs. The poem says, "I know that I hung on that windy tree." So this tree is uh, the world tree of the Norse cosmology called Uttrasil, and it's basically uh, the world axis, the the central pillar of the cosmos that connects heaven with earth. So like the axis mundi of. Yes, the uh... axis mundi exactly. And in this tree, we also find nine different realms of uh, the Norse cosmos. Mm. And this, so this axis mundi uh, can be linked to uh, the band of the Milky Way that we can see in the night sky. So uh, a giant evergreen tree was one way uh, in which this cosmic pillar was uh, symbolized. And if we, in the image on the right, you can see the Milky Way band. And you see this very bright part there in the bottom. Okay. That is the galactic core. So you're basically looking here at uh, the center of our own Milky Way galaxy. Gotcha. And right there, where uh, at the uh, galaxy center, 
you see the constellation of Eucharist hanging there right. on this Milky Way tree. So, um, so we take a closer look at uh, how Odin is uh, hanging there. Somebody just commented real quick. It says, Lord mm -hmm. Pakal's tomb lid depicts the same scene from Havamal, uh, where Odin hangs yes, and falls yes. back from the tree uh, mm -hmm. from the fourth winds. That's right. I, I have seen that too. Uh, David Matheson too uh, has wrote about that in this uh, book. Um, so this uh, Pakal scene, it basically uses the same constellations uh, to depict a similar uh, story. And there are some very interesting uh, similarities between uh, Pakal, uh, built by a certain uh, Voltan. Mm. Um, so perhaps there's a uh, similarity there with Voltan, uh, or uh, which is Odin. Uh, who knows? Um, so that's that's very interesting indeed. Yeah. Well, thank you, Sue, for commenting. Okay. Okay, so um, we have seen uh, how Ophiuchus uh, or Odin uh, can be seen uh, holding this snake, uh, which we can also see as this rope. And at the end of this uh, snake asterism, you have the snake's head, uh, Serpent's Caput, mm. and it looks like this ring at the end of the snake. Uh, so this ring can also be envisioned as the noose uh, with which Odin is about to hang himself from the Milky Way tree. So the poem also says, stabbed with a spear, offered to Odin, myself to myself given. So uh, this spear we can see too, uh, envisioned in the left uh, serpent half. Uh, you can also envision that as one uh, solid spear being held uh, by Odin. And we will uh, look a bit closer to that uh, later. Um, so David Madison uh, basically deciphered uh, the first part of this myth uh, that uh, explains how uh, Odin can be seen uh, hanging uh, on this uh, Milky Way band. And uh, what he thought is that uh, the runes uh, are the names for these invisible forces that uh, govern uh, our reality behind the scenes. Um, but what I have found uh, in my uh, research of this myth is that uh, these runes too uh, can be seen in the stars in a uh, specific constellation that represents this uh, higher uh, sacred knowledge. Mm. That uh, the serpent head kind of looks like um, serpent mound, like that triangular mm, yes, fashion yes, yes. Um, thing. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I saw it recently on Twitter, a photo of Serpent Mount, and um, how they thought it was an uh, egg, but it can also represent uh, yeah, it does an eye in the snake's mouth. Yeah, exactly, it does look like that. Yeah, but... so it could be linked to the same asterism, definitely. Okay, so to find these rooms in the stars, uh, let's first look further at um, uh, what these rooms are. So. The first clue to the runes can be found among the Norns. Uh, the Norns are these goddesses of fate, and they are very similar to the Greek fates, who uh, weave the destinies of uh, mortals and also of the gods. And it is um, uh, implied in the myths that the Norns first created these runes, and they also carved these runes into wood. Mm. So um, we should be looking for uh, something with woods. 
And these Norns, they uh, live at a sacred well called Urt's well. Mm. And that means the well of origins. So if you look again at the picture uh, of Odin on the Milky Way, right. uh, we see this very bright part, uh, this galactic core. And that too uh, can be linked to uh, this sacred uh, well uh, with this, uh, these shiny uh, waters. So you can see how the same feature can uh, have multiple symbols uh, to it. Gotcha. Okay, so the second clue to the runes uh, can be found uh, in the writings of the Roman history writer Tacitus. And he wrote about uh, the ancient Germans uh, in the first century AD. And what he described is how the uh, ancient Germans practiced divination. Uh, divination is basically um, trying to find out uh, the will of the gods or the powers of fate and to predict the future to some extent. Mm. So what these ancient Germans did, they carved these magical symbols into wooden twigs. Um, and we don't exactly know if these were also uh, the same as the runes uh, from the alphabet that we know. Uh, what we do know is that the Vikings saw the runes as these si magical symbols. So these could uh, very well be uh, connected to this uh, practice of divination. So maybe they were a version of uh, proto-runes. So what we can uh, learn from this is that Odin probably carved his runes that he discovered into wooden twigs. Mm. Uh, the myth implies uh, that he found a total of nine runes. So what we should be looking for is uh, Odin carving his runes into nine wooden twigs. So that, um, I guess my question would be too, is I know, mm -hmm. um, and we talk a lot about it on this show, but uh, psychedelic use and the Vikings yes. definitely used psychedelic mushrooms. It's mm -hmm. well-documented or they're known as the berserkers. Um, my question would be, do you think that maybe even taking some of these entheogens and then knowing, you know, the mythology and then maybe mm -hmm. interacting with that mythology, creating even more of this myth or these oral traditions that way? Or do you think that it's purely from imagination of just looking up at the stars? Well, I have also uh, looked into the uh, entheogen uh, angle, and I think that's too... Uh, uh, can definitely uh, play uh, a major role in the myths. So uh, if the stars are this uh, celestial uh, memory system, uh, you can pretty much attach uh, uh, all these other things uh, to it. So you use the stars uh, to explain uh, certain phenomena, such as, for example, um, the things you experience when uh, you are uh, in a sort of altered state. So mm -hmm. that's certainly... Uh, a possibility that we should take uh, very seriously. Sure. So, um, the final uh, third clue to the runes is found in the poem. So the poem says, I pierced right down in the deep. Crying aloud, I lifted the runes. Then back I fell from there. So, what uh, the myth is telling us, that Odin looked down into the deep and there he discovered these runes. So now we know that Ophiuchus uh, is linked to uh, Odin. We should be looking somewhere uh, below uh, the constellation Ophiuchus and somewhere near uh, the galactic core. Okay. So uh, shall we see uh, 
Yes, we shall. Where we can find these rooms. Okay, there you go. So, here, below the constellation Ophiuchus, you have uh, this constellation that I think uh, represents uh, these nine wooden twigs into which Odin uh, can be seen carving his runes. And uh, this is the constellation Scorpio. So, we know uh, Scorpio as a scorpion, right? Mm -hmm. So, he, he, he is the scorpion in Greek mythology, but uh, in Greek myth, he also represented uh, several other things, uh, among which uh, the Lernian Hydra with its nine heads. Right. So, you can see how Scorpio uh, has this sort of snake-like body, this long, slim body, and out of it emerge these nine heads, and they sort of spread out uh, like a fan. So you can see in it a nine-headed snake, but I believe you can also see in it a branch coming from the Milky Way tree, spreading out into these nine uh, wooden twigs. Are the stars, those nine stars that shoot off, that's connected, are they major stars? Like, can you see them pretty easily from a clear sky, or are they something that you kind of had to put together a little bit more? Uh, well... Um, the, the stars in Scorpio, they are uh, pretty bright uh, stars. Scorpio actually contains a lot of uh, very bright uh, stars. Okay. So it's definitely uh, one of the more striking uh, constellations uh, that you can see. Okay. And when we uh, look at Odin's spear, uh, when we extend the line of the spear towards the constellation oh, Scorpio... Yeah. I see that. We, you can see that the spear touches Scorpio right at the point uh, where it uh, branches off into these nine twigs. So you can see him carving the runes with his spear into these uh, twigs represented by Scorpio. Yeah, and if you were going to kill some monster that had nine heads, you want to get it at the base that. there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, right where the spear hits, by the way, is this very bright red star. Okay can represent uh, the wound from the spear but um okay so let's so we see uh, what we can learn from this yes okay so to sum it up a bit uh, the runes were created by the norns and then carved by odin odin carved the nine runes with his spear into the twigs of the world tree yggdrasil and so you can see scorpio as this branch coming out of this uh, cosmic pillar this milky way tree uh into these nine uh twigs and we find these uh, same symbols in another myth. So uh, we've already talked about uh, the Bible a bit. Yep. So uh, here we are in the Garden of Eden. So we have seen how the runes can represent this divine knowledge coming from this tree of life. And we see here uh, in the Genesis story of Adam and Eve, we have this uh, tree of knowledge, and in the tree, you have the snake. And the snake uh, gives this forbidden fruit, this forbidden knowledge, to Eve. So we can see Scorpio as the snake in the tree of knowledge. And what do we see right next to Scorpio? We yes. see the constellation Virgo as Eve. And see, you can see she has her arm outstretched, ready to receive uh, this forbidden fruit. Okay. So, in myth, in, in their, um, when you make these kind of correlations, mm -hmm. um, what, in terms of 
what do you are you just putting the pieces together as you see them or are you looking for connections or how do you do that um well it's uh it's a continuous uh process of uh of of um i i don't see uh I, I, when i look at the myth uh, at first sight um I, I you don't immediately see the connections you have to know uh, you have to get familiar with these constellations mm -hmm. and you also have to become familiar with the language of these myths and how certain symbols in myths um, can be linked to the same constellations. Um, so I learned a lot about this uh, from the work of David Madison. So he provided me with a pretty good uh, basis so that I could decipher uh, these myths for myself. Um, and once you start getting more and more familiar with them, uh, it becomes more and more easy to see these uh, connections. But um, there are, of course, some pitfalls uh, because often there are multiple uh, different interpretations. Sure. Um, so it does take uh, some practice to see uh, which of these is the strongest uh, candidate. Uh, sometimes there is also more than one uh, correct answer. So um, the same snake, for example, can be seen in two or three uh, different constellations in uh, different parts of the same story. Yeah, absolutely. I was just curious. We've had some, obviously, other guests that have connected uh, constellations and theories mm -hmm. and hypotheses and stuff like that. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with our buddy Aaron Voot, who wrote the book Spirit in the Sky, connecting the DMT yeah. molecule with the Orion myth and... Um, mm -hmm. If you if you are the uh, Osiris myth, and when you look at the Osiris myth, it has very shamanic undertones of being dismembered yes, and taken yes. to the underworld, and then bringing you know coming back together that kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. So I was just curious on what your process um, was for looking at these things. Right. <clears throat> so um, when you look at uh, the night sky. You can basically envision it as this uh, divine theater. And the constellations in this theater, um, they are the, the actors on this celestial stage. And you can see uh, on this celestial stage all this uh, drama and comedy that you find in uh, the world of the gods uh, portrayed in myths. Uh, so when ancient peoples uh, were looking up at the night sky, Basically, what they, they saw was uh, the gods and the myths uh, played out in the stars. And as I uh, have mentioned, each constellation uh, can be seen as this actor who can also play uh, multiple uh, different roles. Mm -hmm. So uh, we, have, we have seen, for example, that Scorpio can be seen as this snake. Uh, it can also be a scorpion or this branch coming from the tree. Right. And when you look at these constellations, um, do do you personally have like a, a telescope, or do you stare at the the sky a lot, or um, or do you do it um, all like on the computer? Well, uh, I do most of it on the computer. So I have this um, stargazing program called Stellarium. Okay. And oh. with Stellarium, you can also you can set the date and time, and uh, you can also look at how the the night sky looked in ancient times. Yeah. So that's very helpful that's also awesome. when uh, yeah. looking at ancient myths. But um, on occasion, I also do go outside uh, and then I just sit on a picnic bench and I just look at the stars. Nice. Yeah. 
it's it's interesting to think back um back then that's all they had right was kind of what you're talking about this divine theater that's all they had mm. that was their entertainment yeah. at nighttime i mean if you're up oh, and, sure. yeah. and it's nighttime what do you you're not going to go hunting you're not going to go fight anybody you're going to mm-hmm. look up at the sky and i think that's kind of what as humans i think we're lacking we're lacking a connection to the earth you know sinking your feet into the the real earth or the ground and also staring up at the sky and um, gazing upon the stars. And obviously we know about space and what's out there and the mm-hmm. limits of what we know kind of right now. But um, we actually have the opposite. We were watching these programs and yeah, you know, it's, it's, yeah. I don't think it's very, uh, well, you're getting all this good for us. You're getting all this inform this condensed information. And if you don't mm-hmm. have the building blocks or the wonder behind it, I think a lot of it gets lost. So, and to me, seeing how the myths are based upon the stars, uh, I think this also um, enriches uh, the way I experience these myths. I think it's uh, it's a wonderful thing that you can go out and look up at the night sky and you can see all these stories uh, played out. And by looking at the night sky, you you uh, you have the feeling that you are uh, more connected to this this larger cosmos uh, that's out there mm. that we are a part of. Couldn't agree sure. more. So. Um, we have seen uh, how Odin found the runes and um, we have seen how the runes and the forbidden fruits uh, can be seen as this higher knowledge mm-hmm. that's coming from uh, the sacred tree and so the runes can be seen as the names that are given uh, to these hidden forces that uh, govern reality and uh, th- so um the Vikings felt that by naming these forces, they could gain power over them and use them in their lives and to gain this greater uh, awareness. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you can see why Odin was eager uh, to get this knowledge. Um, but I also think that Odin was in kind of a hurry uh, to get this knowledge. And he also went to extreme lengths uh, to, to achieve this. He, he hung himself from a tree. That's uh, pretty extreme, right? Right. Um, he also uh, sacrificed his own eye uh, to gain knowledge of the unknown. So we can ask ourselves, why uh, did Odin go to such extreme measures to, to gain this higher knowledge? And on the next slides, um, I'll show you why I think that is. So I think that Odin was in kind of a hurry because he knew that the inevitable end of the world was coming near. It's what is called Ragnarok in uh, Norse. It's basically uh, the, the apocalypse, the right? Um, well, yeah, uh, sort of. Um, it, it is this this apocalyptic end of the world. Um, but what I mean but, that is like the unveiling. It's like this, mm-hmm. um, you're going to see what's really going on once this occurs. Yeah, yeah. So um, the whole world, uh, the whole world order, it, it basically uh, starts crumbling and descending into chaos. And uh, people become mean and vicious and brother will attack brother, uh, as described in the myths. Um, and then this this horrible destruction uh, becomes unleashed, and with all these natural disasters. So first you have these three years uh, without summer, and then uh, and all these uh, earthquakes and all that, all these monsters uh, come forth to to just scour uh, the face of the earth. 
But um, yeah, the, in the Bible story, rock, uh, the apocalypse is sort of this ultimate end after that uh, story is over. Right. Um, but in the Norse myths, it's more like this cyclical thing, mm. where uh, eventually there will always be this uh, renewal of the world. So I think that does uh, give a, a message of hope, so that no matter how bad things get, uh, there will always be another world. It's a like new, a, a new, the, uh, the ending of an age of man or something like that, right? Yeah, so uh, most of mankind perishes during Ragnarok, but there will always be this couple of uh, people that do survive and they will uh, inherit this uh, new earth that starts healing again. And it, sta- um, it sounds like, obviously too, and I'm sure we'll get into this and you know this, it's where it's going, but um, some sort of like, uh, comet impact or mm-hmm. a, yes, you know impact event yeah. or possibly even a super volcano fallout. You mentioned like a winter or some no oh, summer yes. for sure. um, yeah. and we know that super volcanoes can. We just did an episode yesterday on super mm-hmm. volcanoes. Super volcanoes can actually drop the temperature in even the higher latitudes as much as twenty seven degrees. I mean that's a lot. So that's that's a, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah. So yeah, that's interesting. Um, and this is what we're going to be talking about on part two, right? All the um, the cataclysms and catastrophism, all that stuff. Yeah, I've, um, that's another angle of the myth that I am exploring. Um, uh, how can this uh, cosmic catastrophe uh, be found in the myth? Mm. There doesn't even have to be uh, catastrophic events per se. Uh, some of the myths may even be just describing uh, a, a close comet uh, encounter, some very bright, uh, very large comet with multiple tails that just fills part of the night sky mm-hmm. and illuminates uh, everything. Uh, that too uh, must have been magnificent, so we could uh, look for traces of that too uh, in the myths. Yeah, so, yeah, so what Odin's also doing is he is uh, raising. Uh, the dead uh, to question them about Ragnarok. Mm. And that's in a sense what we are doing too. We are digging into the past right. uh, to find out what happened. Well, also, that has some connections to the Bible as well. Because isn't, um, isn't that what happens during the apocalypse? You know, like you'll be saved if you're, you know, you'll be r- risen from the dead if you're good and if you're bad or something along those lines. Um, mm hmm. I don't know exactly. A rapture. Yeah, something like that. But yeah, there is some obviously some correlating stuff. But uh, I don't know. I think it's interesting when you look at the history of the Norse mythology and the Vikings and stuff because people don't really talk about. I mean, uh, I we got into all this stuff obviously, like Graham Hancock, fingerprints of the gods, mm-hmm. magicians of the gods, all that kind of stuff. Um, but with all that you don't see too many people talking about the Norse and the Viking stuff. And I think that that's, it's important that there's people like you doing that. I think that mm-hmm. there are connections to be made and there's so much mythology throughout our history and through the world that, um, I don't know. I think that you're doing some good stuff here. I like what I'm seeing. Yeah. Uh, I think indeed, uh, the Norse myths, uh, may be a bit underestimated. Uh, I mean, Vikings are popular, but, uh, yeah, I think, and especially if you like uh, catastrophism too, uh, the Norse description of Ragnarok is is very vivid. And the Norse myths they are unique in their own right. Mm-hmm. They uh, 
tell the same stories, but uh, with this unique uh, northern flavor to it. And then here we go. There's your uh, info. You're active on Twitter at, mm-hmm. at, at North Secrets. Um, you're on Instagram. You're on Facebook. Um, you can go to his website at secretsofthenorse.com. I'll put the link down below the video. And uh, go to his page, buy this man a, a coffee. That's what his, mm-hmm. his uh, he's asking for payment is people to buy I a like coffee. I like that. Uh, that's yeah. actually, that is interesting. I, I like how you did that. That's good. I assume you're a big coffee drinker, so that probably uh, over a year's period might cost a decent amount. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think uh, re- doing research and writing, uh, reading, uh, I think that goes very well with coffee, you know? <laughs> Same. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, well, you're in the Netherlands too, so what kind of coffee are we talking about? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, I I just I'm just joking. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Hey, that's what us Americans think of the coffee shops there. So, all well, right, that, that's yeah, how we have it, a lot of coffee shops. That's yeah, how it sure. used to be, right? Now, now America is just one large coffee shop. So, mm. um, in terms of uh, your your blogs. So people can just check out everything and everything's there on your website. And um, do you have anything else that you want to plug or? Um, well, uh, I think that was uh, pretty much it. So if you are interested in learning more about the Norse myths and how they are connected to the stars, um, you can go to my blog and uh, find out uh, more about it. And also more about uh, the Odin myth that we talked about uh, today. Uh, because we have only uh, dealt with something like seven lines of the poem. So there's okay. this extreme amount of information in just a few lines of the, the poem. So what do you think was, what was putting everything together, the poem and all this stuff, what do you think the entire picture is, or what do you think's going on from the entire picture? Um... Well, I think um, but the part of the poem uh, that we have talked about today, uh, that is pretty much uh, the essence of it. Okay. Uh, so it's, it's Odin um, doing something extreme to, to find this, this higher knowledge. Uh, I do think uh, this myth does kind of uh, challenges us to be a little bit more curious and um, to, to uh, look at uh, the mysteries that are in this, this universe. And... Uh, it shows us that we can expand our awareness of the, the world around us. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, the Tree of Life one was interesting, too. I was going to say, yeah. um, <laughs> it's it's crazy um, that they weren't aware of what they were aware of and they had the knowledge that they had. Uh, but I wanted to ask you something about like how they navigated. Do you know anything about like how they used to... Um, travel around on ships in terms of they used to use these stones. I mean, they, it's depicted on the show yeah. Vikings. They're like seer stones, or the you hold it up yeah. to the sky when it's overcast and you can see where the sun is, or something like that. Yeah, but if it's this kind of quartz stone or something, uh, yeah. they could indeed see and locate uh, uh, where the sun uh, is. So, uh, yeah, I don't know exactly uh, how how they used uh, the stars to to navigate. Well, um, what you want to know. Uh, for example, is what latitude you're on right. uh, where right. you're on the sea, so, so that you uh, don't go too far off course. And um, uh, when you go to a different latitude, the stars are in a slightly different position, so you can sort of 
see which constellations uh, rise at which time and at which location. Mm -hmm. And so you can sort of guess uh, where the, the constellations uh, are and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I also just saw an article, I think it was in Iceland, they found one of the largest or and oldest Viking settlements that they are mm -hmm. aware of. Uh, I thought, yes. I think I saw that just a couple of days ago. Um, yeah, it's interesting um, because that whole area. A lot of it's covered in ice, you know, and some mm -hmm. of it's not. And then I'm sure once some of the, you know, let's just say the world does get warmer here in the next 10, 20, 30 years, will some stuff become, you know, more stuff become unearthed from that fact that more of that area is melting. So, I mean, that'll be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. They also found this ancient Viking trail in uh, Greenland mm -hmm. uh, because of the melting ice. So that's just kind of uh, funny that... Uh, yeah, they're finding these things uh, under the ice now. So one time that too must have been uh, without uh, ice in the past. Right. Yeah, so we'll get to all that next time. Uh, as we mentioned, we'll do a part two where we'll talk about the cataclysms and Ragnarok and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but listen, Arthur, we really appreciate you coming on, and this has been super fascinating. Thank you for putting that slideshow together. And uh, we look forward to doing part two with you. And uh, again, check out his website, secretsofthenorse.com. Check him out on Twitter at Norse Secrets. Um, check us out on Twitter at Mike Escape. And uh, check out our new website, uh, mindescapepodcast.com. We are also on Patreon. For $2 a month, you'll get some exclusive content. That is at patreon.com slash mindescapepodcast. And um, thank you again, Arthur. And uh, we'll see you here soon. Oh, thank you for having me. Cheers. Peace.